Welcome to Storyblocks, the podcast where four very different writers create four very different chapters of one epic story. I'm the producer, Elise Morales. Here's how it works. The writers are allowed to write their chapter however they want. The only rules are this. Keep it to 15 minutes and leave it on a cliffhanger for the next writer. Unless, of course, they're writing the conclusion. The writers don't talk about the story or plan their chapters in advance. They simply pick up where the last one left off. If you haven't listened to episodes one and two, go back and listen now. Otherwise, none of what you're about to hear will make any sense. When we last left off, Helga had been kidnapped by a mysterious creature. After revealing its supernatural abilities, the creature begs for her sympathy, and more importantly, her help. Meanwhile, the rest of the crew sought out the help of Seth's dad, the local sheriff, to find their friend. Still, outside forces, including a mysterious woman named Elizabeth, are working against our heroes to ensure that knowledge of the creature is kept a secret. This time around, our saga continues with an exciting new chapter from Emily Figueroa that marks a bit of a departure from our usual format. So tune in to see where our story goes, because not even we know where it'll end up. Agnes, tearful and out of breath, finishes recounting to Seth's dad the events of last night. In a final breath, she gasps, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I, I don't know what else to say. It's the truth. Stunned and silent, David sits on the couch in the station office, dropping his head into his hands. He whispers more to himself than anyone else in the room. This is my fault. David raises his head to meet Seth's eyes, who is standing away from the rest of the group in the corner of the room. Do you remember last year I told you the station kept getting complaints about power outages in the area? David then lifts himself from the couch and begins to pace the room. Well, the station traced it back to the woods behind the high school, which didn't make any sense because the only buildings in the area are residential. Myself and a few other officers interview families in the area, just in case, but no normal household would ever extract that much energy. The outages kept happening, though, and one night, I happened to be patrolling the area when one happened. As soon as all the lights on the block went out, I jumped out of the car and ran into the woods. And that's when I saw... Seth moves out from the corner and towards his dad. Skeptical, but scared, he asks. Saw what, exactly? David closes his eyes, remembering... I saw five people, all dressed in white biohazard suits, covered in green sludge, exiting a metal doorway tucked behind some branches and moss. Once they were all out, they covered the doorway with more branches, making it practically invisible amongst the trees and bushes. They then began to take off their coveralls. One of the five, a woman in a suit, clearly was in charge of the others. She was whispering to them, but I couldn't make out what she was saying. I tried inching forward, quietly, but the snap of the twigs beneath my boot quickly revealed my presence. I remember her head whipping itself towards my exact spot and the sound of her friends closing in on me. The next thing I knew, I was no longer in the woods. Seth places his hand on his father's shoulder to calm him down. Before tonight, he had never seen his dad show so much emotion and now David's pace across the room was rapid and frantic as his breathing. Dad, Seth says quietly, it's okay, just take a breath. David gives a small, 
tight smile to his son and sucks in some air. Still shaken, he continues. I woke up to find my wrists and ankles clasped to a chair in a room with no windows or walls. David's voice is small, barely audible as he relives the memory. I tried for what felt like hours to wriggle out of the bands, but they were thick metal straps bolted to a metal chair. The chair itself was immovable, secured to a concrete floor. I tried so hard. His voice began to crack, but he pushes on. But nothing happened. No one came in, and I could hear no noise. I had no idea how long I'd been unconscious beforehand. Time had completely stopped in the room until, finally, she walked in. David's voice begins to build with disgust, and now practically spitting. She, the woman in the suit, Elizabeth, told me I had the unfortunate luck of coming across her facility, and that now that I knew there was something in the woods besides just dirt and worms, I would have to help her keep it a secret. I told her that anyone who chained me to a chair would not have the pleasure of my help, but she said she was with the government, and if I didn't help her, David looks to Seth, she would hurt my family. David looks down as he speaks the next part to the group. I've spent the past year covering up a government secret. A secret she never fully explained to me, but that I've been watching from afar for a while. There's these experiments that are happening beneath our town. These things that they are creating. I've heard them say it's for medical experimentation, but I'm not sure I believe it. They're dangerous. And they've killed people with powers that I never knew were truly possible. I don't know where your friend Helga is now, but wherever it is, we need to find her. She probably doesn't have much time. Agnes whispers, What kind of powers do they have? David looks to Agnes with a pained expression. For too long, I've kept their secret because I was scared for myself and my family. I've kept their secrets, told their lies. Hell, I was on the phone a few minutes ago, doing damage control like their monsters are something that I need to protect. The one that took your friend must be the one that escaped from the facility. Myself and Elizabeth's men tried to shoot the thing down, but it... it... it melted one guy's brain. Seth, who until this point had been comforting his father, finally could not take any more of the conversation melted someone's brain? Seriously? I'm sorry, but we are not back at Agnes's house watching some horror film in the basement. This is real life. Monsters and powers and government cover-ups are the imaginations of a crazy old man who loves conspiracy theories, not what's happening in our sleepy little town. It was David's turn to comfort Seth, who was now shaking in fear. I know that seems crazy, but earlier you all asked me to trust you that you were telling the truth. Well, what I said is what I saw. And right now, this is what we're up against. Seth manages a nod. Sammy and Agnes come behind him and give their friend, who for once seems vulnerable, a hug. 
For a split second, the group feels some sense of sanity. David then slips out of the room, returning with a Geiger counter, a duffel bag, and his gun. What's that for? asks Agnes. This, David replies, holding up the Geiger counter, is how we're going to find Helga. Ever since the creature touched her, Helga felt strange, and she was sure it wasn't just the sudden acquisition of superpowers, though it had been at least an hour since she left the creature in the bowels of this slimy labyrinth. She could feel that they were connected, like a string had attached itself between her hand and the creature. These concerns seemed small compared to her new power, and even though the creature seemed to have nestled itself into her mind and body, she distracts herself by moving the tunnel sludge with her mind. Back and forth, she creates waves and patterns on the floor of the tunnel, all the while making sure there is a clear path for her to cleanly walk upon. A few steps further, though, and she detects a shift in the air. She isn't sure how, but she knows that there is a 16% increase of nitrogen. It appears her senses are unusually heightened. She must be near the lab. A door comes into her sight, or at least the remains of a door. There is an archway with hinges hanging off the sides of a door frame, but there is nothing blocking the tunnel from the entrance to the lab. She examines the sludge near the doorway, and something shiny catches her eye. Using her mind, she moves the sludge away from the object and finds not one, but dozens of bullet shells glittering in the darkness. She thinks, this must be where the creature escaped from. Stepping through the doorway, Helga sees a long, gray hallway with concrete floors and walls. With closed doors lining either side of the hallway and no windows in sight, Helga has no idea where to start looking. She needs to find the security room. The creature tells her, no, more like the creature shows her in her mind, the button in the security room that would release the others like him from their tanks. She scans the doors for any indication of what might be inside, but the only thing that marks them is a number. She starts to move towards the first door, but something stops her in her tracks. It's as if some force within her limbs is fighting the action her brain just ordered. She feels the force subside after only a moment. Then a voice that sounds like only a slightly distorted version of her own echoes in her mind. Seven. Helga approaches the door again, quickly whipping her head to peek inside. There's no one. She then steps in and shuts the door behind her. She's now surrounded with floor-to-ceiling monitors of what must be the rest of the underground facility. Four of the screens show creatures like hers in their tanks. Two other screens show empty ones. It's the creature escaping through the doorway and a man lying on the floor with what seemed to be a melted... She drops the photo in terror. What am I doing? What am I helping? She screams in her mind. She stumbles backward in shock to a control panel hanging on the wall opposite the cameras. That's the button, she realizes. She starts to move away from the panel, from the cameras, and towards the door. I must get out of here. But just as her hand touches the handle, the force returns, spreading through her body, lifting her hand away. The voice echoes in her mind a stern, No. 
and for the next few moments, something completely other than herself occupies her body. She moves towards the control panel and smashes her hand on the button from the vision. But in this moment, that hand and that body belong to no one named Helga. Sludge begins to thicken the deeper the group walks into the tunnel. Sammy and Agnes lead the way, shining David's flashlight into the darkness as David and Seth follow. The light gleams off the green slop, causing Agnes to feel queasier with each passing second. She turns to Sammy and asks, How much longer do you think, Sammy? I'm not sure if I can stand being down here anymore. I imagine we're only 20 minutes away from the lab now, Sammy assures her. I think we're close, chimes in David, holding up the Geiger counter. This thing started to wake up, which means every step is bringing us closer to Helga. Agnes, still unassured, asks Sammy, How do you even know so much about where this tunnel leads? Without a second of hesitation, Sammy replies, I'm just heading deeper in. The woods are south of the entrance we came through. Town is north. David comes beside Agnes, putting his hand on her shoulder. He's right, Agnes. We're headed in a good direction. We'll find Helga in no time. With a final pat, David leaves Agnes and Sammy to walk together and waits for Seth to catch up. He quietly asks, How did Sammy find this entrance in the first place? It's not one I knew about. Seth replies, I don't know. He showed me a few weeks ago while we were, uh, taking a walk. Seth begins to blush. He said he had explored it a few times before he showed me, though last night was the first time I ever went in myself. David gives a thoughtful grunt in reply, and the four of them continue in silence. After a few minutes more of trudging along, the amount of sludge in the tunnel increases greatly, moving up from their ankles to their shins. Agnes, barely holding on, cries out to the group, Please, guys, please, let's just stop for a second. The group halts, though Sammy looks impatient to keep going. Agnes, he whines, now's not the time for you to be dragging behind the rest of us. Whoa, replies Seth, shocked by Sammy's abnormally harsh tone. Give Agnes a break, Sammy. We're all scared and tired, and you know that wading through all this crap is hard for Agnes because of her asthma. Seth glances at Agnes, who is clearly struggling to breathe. He moves to her and asks her if she has her inhaler. She shakes her head, no. Seth looks to Sammy and states, We need to stop for a few minutes and relax. If Agnes doesn't calm down, she won't be able to make the whole trip. Sammy spits, fine. David comes up to Seth and Agnes, who stand a few yards back from Sammy. What's his problem? He asks. I guess he's just terrified like the rest of us, replies Seth. A few minutes pass, and Agnes feels slightly better. The group tries walking, but Agnes takes one step and loses her footing, falling into the sludge. She starts to cry. Please, can I just turn back? I know we need to save Helga, and I want to, but I don't think I can do this. Seth and David help her up. David suggests that Seth helps take Agnes back to the entrance, 
Before Seth can even respond, a voice like Sammy's yells out aloud, No! Everyone looks to Sammy, who faces the group, still a few yards away, shaking furiously. I tried to make this easy, he says, though the voice is much deeper than his own. We all need to make it across the tunnel. All of you. Seth searches Sammy's eyes for the caring boy he had come to love, but the color is foreign. Sammy has blue eyes, Seth thinks, but now they are a vivid green. Sammy? Seth whispers. I'm not Sammy, the boy replies. David, trying to decipher what could have possessed Sammy, suddenly realizes just how Sammy knew exactly where to lead them. He reaches for his gun, but finds his holster empty. Looking for this? The voice bellows at the group, gun in hand. Agnes screams and tries her best to run through the slime, back towards where the group came. Suddenly, Sammy drops the flashlight into the sludge and fires a shot in the darkness. Helga was running away from the facility when she heard a gunshot echo through the tunnels. She doesn't know where it came from, and ever since that force overcame her in the security room, she has lost the abilities the creature gave her before. How do I get out? She thinks as she sprints through the tunnels, now covered in green slime. She doesn't run for too much longer until she slams into some kind of wall. She falls back into the slime. Gross! She squeals as she tries to quickly get up. Now back on her feet, she looks before her and sees... nothing? What did I hit? She wonders. It's not what you hit, but who you hit, says a familiar voice. From the bottom of the tunnel rises the green sludge, piling into a mountain and eventually forming the figure of the creature. I would say thank you, says the creature maliciously. But you tried to run before completing the job. Listen, cries Helga. I know what you showed me was painful, but the picture I saw in the control room was necessary, finishes the creature. What you saw in the picture was necessary. I've been tortured since I was conceived, and now I deserve to be free. We all deserve to be free. And now that you've opened the tanks, the six of us can finally live. Six? Helga whispers. I only saw four tanks open. Yes, four were in the facility, the creature laughs. But myself and another are already free. Storyblocks is a whale bus podcast. It is produced by Elise Morales. Benita Kiyomong is our sound designer and editor. Barry Soto Vega and Seamus Lonergan are our composers. This episode was written by Emily Figueroa and directed by Zachary Goldberg. It was narrated by Jillian Sun. Special thanks to Andrea Peretta for designing our logo and to Zachary Goldberg and Ryan Dorsey, the founders of Whale Bus. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to tune in next month to hear the conclusion to this season's story. Whale.